Howdy there, folks, and welcome to The Random Man, where two experts and nothing talk about everything. What do we want? More fan theories. And when do we want them? How about right now? By request, Keith and myself are going back down the rabbit hole to bring you a few more of those tasty little nuggets of speculation. So get ready, because today, two random men discuss a few more fan theories. Yeah, this one came as a request by someone because I guess they enjoyed the first episode and asked us to do a little more digging. So here we are to give it to you again. What mm-hmm. are we giving you? Fan theories. Yay, fan theories. I'm try to do it this time where I'm not calling it the, by the wrong names. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just glad to see you back. I know you were you were laid up for all last week, so we didn't get to record, which glad it wasn't COVID. But Yeah, I was sick as a dog, but it turned out not being COVID, yeah, so, so that's in good. the clear there. It wasn't but. the flu either, and it wasn't strep. But yeah, I was hurting pretty bad last week. Ended up being an upper respiratory infection. Well, I'm glad to see you back. Sorry we uh, we missed a week, yeah, missed an episode, but hopefully everybody will let us get away with one. Sorry. I couldn't talk. <laughs> I'll try to keep the coughing to a minimum because I'm still healing up, but it's going to be a good time. Yep. It's going to be, be a good time. It'll be good. We always enjoy these ones. It's They're always f- great doing the fan theories or rabbit holes or anything like that because you don't know where some of them are going to go and a lot of them we've heard things but i know like there's a couple of them on here that i'd already heard of and i kind of pretty knew pretty well there are a couple of them that things that i just kind of heard in passing or like i saw like a tiktok where someone was talking about it or something and so i was like wait a minute and so i went and like really dug into it to find out all the like the details on it and some of it some of it's pretty crazy man most of them everybody's kind of heard just going over our list of them. Yeah. Maybe you haven't heard of some, but I, I don't know if normal people dig as deep into them as we do. <laughs> Most people do better things with their free time. Yeah, which I'm not even going to say we dig deep into them, but we're aware we're into pop culture shit. So. Well, when we think about stuff and we question things in the first place anyway, like, hey, why, does, why is that like that? Why huh? is this this way? <laughs> so sometimes we just kind of fall into it just because we're curious. A lot of times that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So... Do you want to start with one? Yes. <laughs> okay. I, I love this one just because of the, the bonkersness of it. Ah, those are my favorite. Pixar movie Cars is actually a spiritual sequel to the movie Maximum Overdrive. Whoa. The Stephen King movie. I the only one he directed. I have not heard that one. While on a Coke binge. Whoa, okay. <laughs> You're familiar with Maximum Overdrive, right? Mm-hmm. The cars become sentient because of the comet and uh, start killing all the humans off. Okay, yeah. So if you look at it, Cars takes place in a dystopian future where all the cars have taken over. Which is why there's still like what looks to be man-made structures all around. The important detail in it is that they still have steering wheels. Why would they have steering wheels? True. True. If it wasn't made for a human to sit in. Hmm, yeah. Which I'm sorry, guilty pleasure movie. (laughs) Maximum (laughs) Overdrive. (laughs) Maximum Overdrive. It does yeah. put kind of a dark twist on it, but I mean, I mean, yeah, it does kind of make sense. Most fan theories are kind of more of a darker twist. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. There's a lot of, the, all the Pixar ones, man, you could spend a whole episode just talking about Pixar oh, fan theories. Yeah. Especially how they intertwine with each other and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, it's insane. Boo is really the witch yeah. from Brave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because she can use magic doors to walk in and out of. That in Toy Story 3, uh, the old man from Up has passed away because you can see his cane sitting in the pawn shop. Oh. And it's actually the one with the 
the four tennis balls on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the little boy from Up is really a guardian angel sent to guide him into the afterlife. That's yeah. what their whole journey is. So he gets to be back with Ellie. Man. Man. Yeah. Up uh, the first Man. time. I watched. <laughs> I was 30 seconds and Up and already crying. You're not telling <laughs> anybody who's watched Up anything they don't know. Yeah, the Pixar ones, there's there's a lot of them, and they're, they're pretty crazy. That is Pixar's MO, though, is breaking your heart in the first couple of minutes. It's true. It's true. And there's another one that says that uh, Nemo wasn't real. It was just his way of dealing with guilt. But then Nemo interacts with other people in the world, or other fish, sea life in the world. So yeah. that falls apart. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That that can't. Who are they talking to in the fish tank? Yeah, the whole time. Shark he, bait. The whole time no. he's gone. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I don't believe that one. Mm, but, no. yeah. <laughs> I did like the Cars, are a, a sequel to a Maximum Overdrive. We made you. Hmm. We made you. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, Stephen King was coked out of his mind while he directed that That's film. That's what I heard. Yeah. I heard, like, everybody on that set was pretty messed up. Crazy times. Except for Emilio. <laughs> Emilio. Just having a ball. Taking it seriously. Yeah. And then, oh, there's another one. I have a feeling I'm going to say there. Uh, and this one and that one a lot. Did you hear the one about? Yeah, we're going to um, say that a lot. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Sorry. Boo was either the witch from Brave, because there's also the scribbling of Sully on the wall, right? Mm-hmm. The whole like idea that she's trying to look for the passage to the monster world. I like this one better, though. Okay. She's actually Violet from The Incredibles when she was a little girl, which is why they can't catch her when she's running away is because she keeps going invisible. Why it's so hard for them to find her. Do you remember when she's running amok inside of Monsters Incorporated and they keep she keeps like disappearing and then will reappear continuously? Yeah. Theory says that she's Violet because she hmm. could go invisible. See, I heard something similar to that. But this one actually goes a little bit further in that it's actually Jack-Jack because Jack-Jack had all the powers and abilities so he could travel. Remember, because he uh, disappears and does his traveling thing. He can do everybody's. And so that he was traveling to the monster world. And that's why uh, in the uh, in the scene where they're at the restaurant and like the one talks about that they're shooting lasers from its eyes and picking up with its mind and all that stuff. That's all powers that Jack-Jack had. And so that's why they were afraid of humans is because Jack-Jack kept popping in every now and then and to the monster them. world and terrifying the shit out of the <laughs> monsters because he had all the powers and didn't know how to control it, even though he was just a baby. But they don't, they didn't realize that. They just thought it was this crazy that's what humans can do. In. Yeah. That's why they were so terrified of humans is because Jack-Jack kept popping in and using his powers randomly and causing chaos. I like it. Make it canon. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Also, cool. did you hear the one about Jack-Jack being syndrome from the future? But no, it's it's actually a fan theory. But now that I'm thinking about it, that doesn't make any sense because he was a little boy with Mr. Incredible. Yeah, there's some timelines yeah, messed up there. Some of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm calling horse shit on that one. Uh, a small little tidbit since it's since we're talking about Incredibles, that in Ratatouille, you see the part where he runs by the mime, and that the mime is apparently Bomb Voyage in the future. And there's actually, if you look really, really closely in that same scene, you can see a picture that looks just like the blue-suited Mr. Incredible in the background. Mm-hmm. On like a poster or something like that. Mm-hmm. And also, that in Ratatouille. So, it shows the guy that was the food connoisseur guy from the end. Yes. It shows him, talks about him eating. It says something about like him eating his favorite meal or what. It does like a little flashback or whatever. It was Ratatouille. That Ratatouille was there 
at one point and saw that that was his favorite meal. And there's even like one where he goes to the house and it's the old lady's house and the house is set up just like the house in the flashback. And so at some point Ratatouille saw that that, that the mom made him that and that was his favorite meal. And that's the way he knew how to make His name wasn't Ratatouille. Ratatouille was the dish. Fish, yeah. That's what the, the rat that, uh, I can't remember his name, but that he was there and saw the mother make the Ratatouille for the food connoisseur guy. I will also puncture a hole in your fan theory right now saying that rats don't live 60 years. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> as far as I know. We're, we just talked about a infant child teleporting to a monster world and running amok. But in the realm <laughs> of... In the confines of a superhero movie, that still doesn't make rats live 50 plus years. I, okay. Touche. Touche. <laughs> See, it's the Pixar thing, man. We got to get off the Pixar. Yeah, okay. You just go to... Let's agree that all Disney Pixar is connected. Yeah. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Oh, no. No, for sure. Yeah. They've, they've come back and said lots of times that... Yeah, lots of it connected, but yeah, moving on to something non-Disney Pixar, but I'll stay with animated. Please do. Please do. So can we agree that the whole premise, the whole story, the whole idea of SpongeBob SquarePants is just whacked the fuck out, right? As most of the Nick shows are. Okay. So going into that whole thing, first, I want to bring up, of course, the idea that it's Bikini Bottom. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that it is set at the bottom of Bikini Atoll. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that where they did atomic bomb testing? Yes. So they talk about um, in the show every now and then you see, like, if SpongeBob really needs help, like he's in a bad situation, you see a human hand that comes in <laughs> and, like, saves him yes. from stuff. And it happens all the time, right? Oh, God, yeah. And there's right. even... There's even a couple of times where, like, they have stuff where, like, they, they run into or run over the narrator. Yes. And you'll occasionally see a camera fall. And so the theory is that humans are going down there and researching what has happened to the sea life (laughs) after all the nuclear fallout. And so they're basically filming SpongeBob. And since he's the star character that they're following, that's why the human comes in every now and then helps him out. Readjust things. (laughs) Like, no, fixing the fish tank. Yeah. Holy shit. It's like, wow, that's just crazy enough to work. So they're all atomic mutations. Yeah. Yeah. And also... I don't see any reason why not. And also, that Mr. Krabs is a monster. He's not just a tight-ass... Metaphorically or literally? So there's been some arguments about what the secret ingredients to the Krabby Patty are. There's two different ones. One is said that it is actually imitation crab meat. (laughs) Okay. Which imitate? I like that it's imitation. So, how crab does Mister Krabs know that imitation crab meat needs to go into the Krabby Patty to make it what it is? Is that part of the ingredients? It, in one telling of it, unless he at some point ate crab. Okay, mm-hmm. but since he's a cheap bastard, he decided to go for the imitation stuff instead of the real stuff. Where does where's where is this said? Um, one episode, they, they pull it out of the vault and it shows, it says something about like the description, the, the ingredients on the Krabby Patty. Yeah. And at one point it says that like right in the middle of it says like imitation crab meat. Yeah. You got my vote. But then there's contradicting evidence that it's not crab meat. It's actually whale meat. 
Isn't his daughter a whale? And his daughter is a whale. Now, damn. Think about if you're making little hamburger patties for like crabs and sponges and like, you know, small, small creatures. How many patties could be made out of one whale? So the theory is Mr. Krabs actually killed the parents, made them into Krabby Patties, and then felt so bad because he orphaned this little girl whale. And so he adopted her, basically. <laughs> now, Sorry, little whale girl. Now, the scary thing is, is he raising her because he loves her, or is he raising her for the for meat? later? Yeah. So Mr. Krabs is a monster. Not to mention he's, you know, mean to everybody and cuts corners on everything. But still, that's just being a good businessman, I guess. <laughs> still. He's he's, greed. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Krabs is a subducting whales. Aren't there? There's another theory that all the SpongeBob characters, I don't know why this continues to play out with animated characters and shows that they represent the seven deadly sins. Okay. Krabs is greed. That, yeah. And yeah, if you start breaking down all the characters, I think what would Patrick be sloth. Um, mm-hmm. Plankton would be envy. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Sponge. Yeah, but there's kind of that around all different shows. Ah, uh, yeah, I think a lot of it. Every almost every animated series has some theory about what they really represent. It can't just be entertainment. Yeah, there's one on Rugrats that says that all the rest of the characters are a product of Angelica's imagination. Really? Mm-hmm. I've never heard that one. Wow. No. Just now, I don't think it's worth diving into, but hmm. that's one. Same thing with Winnie the Pooh, that they all represent uh, disorders. Oh, well, I can kind of, I can kind of see that. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it was all depression, ADHD. Um, Al was dyslexia. Um, yeah, Tigger's ADHD. Um, Piglet's social anxiety disorder. Poo, I think, is an eating disorder. Hmm. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense if you think about it. With you had this little boy that was going in the woods and playing with his Talking animals. To, he was just a kid. There was his stuffed animals. Yeah. He was just making up fun games with him. Why does everything got to break down to a... Mm-hmm. It represents something deeper. Because people want to make more of everything. If they didn't mean you wouldn't have an episode right now. <laughs> How true. How true you are, sir. So... As messed up as it is, it is what it is. <laughs> All right, wrap your mind around this one. Donkey from Shrek mm. is really one of the kids from the island in Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. He gets turned into donkeys. That's yes. why he could talk. It still has like from Pleasure Island. From Pleasure Island. Yes, because it was they turned into like two different kinds of donkeys: the gray ones and the brown ones, right? And they yep. separated them up between which ones could talk and which ones couldn't. Yes, and so Donkey was one that could. Donkey is a leftover of Pinocchio. From he, he was a boy. Hmm. That's why he's kind of like childlike and naive and all that. It's because he never grew well, up. And he even talks about like at one point he talks about like getting like wedgies and stuff like that, swirlies and everything. Yes! So like so at You're some right. point he wore clothes. So he remembers enough of of that. So yeah, there you go. Hmm. Donkey is really a pleasure island, right? Pleasure island. Pleasure island. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I don't want ever want to call it pleasure island. Well, that was why it was called that. It was because it was supposed to be this whole, like, come have fun and smoke cigars and drink and gamble and all that stuff. The shit they used to get away with in Disney movies. It's true. Well, what you used to get away with a lot of movies that were for kids. <laughs> okay. We'll take it away from animation for a minute. Okay. 
yeah, on the last episode, we talked about how Bond was supposed to be a passed down alias, mm-hmm. right? Anybody who took over the mantle of 007 was, uh, took on James Bond as a moniker, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gotta like this one. This one states that James Bond's primary purpose was to just be a distraction to keep the attention off of the real spies. Well, well, yeah. I can see how that could work. Plus, I would also, uh, you know, explain why he really has no regard for any other agent. <laughs> he has no regard for any other agent. He goes in and just announces, I'm James Bond, as soon as he walks into any situation. Yeah. He and everybody even, knows who it. he is. Oh, yeah, you're the MI6. He doesn't try to hide it. And then they just give him free reign that he just keeps fucking shit up, would, uh, would be terminated immediately yeah. in any other Just the collateral damage alone. I've never been a spy personally, that you know of. Um <laughs> but I, I, I like to think the things he does, they wouldn't let anybody get away with other than he's just our wrecking ball. Hmm. Look over here. So the rest of the people can really get in and do the real work. Huh. He even states, James. you know, he's like not that techno- technologically advanced and stuff. And he doesn't care to be. It's th- they don't care. They're like, here, here's a gun. Here's his exploding pens and shit. <laughs> just go wreak <laughs> havoc, man. So I wonder if they set up the, the villains. What if he do? really is a joke to all the other double agents? He just thinks he's hot shit. Oh, man. Like, let him go in there and just sleep with everybody's wife. He's the worst secret agent. I like that one. That one's funnier. <laughs> that one's more funny. When I read that, that uh, made me laugh. It just makes me like an archer. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> he's not really... Not really that he's that good at anything. Just, yeah. He just seems to keep getting out of situations. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what if that was his whole purpose, was just... They know we're watching them, but let's give them this guy to focus on who's just going to run amok. And since it is October now, I have to say amok four times. Amok, 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 amok. <laughs> yes. Yes, it <laughs> is October. It's October. Hmm. Do you like that one? I do like that one. It kind of makes more sense. It kind of makes me want to go watch more uh, Bond movies now. <laughs> I knew you said you would never be able to be into Bond, but now watch it with the outlook that he is just... Doing get smart, he's but just, serious. Yeah, he's just a patsy. Just let him go. He's, <laughs> he's a uh, diversion. He's a diversion. I love it. I love it. Ain't it cool? Hmm. <laughs> well, you said uh, about getting, you know, being October, getting close to Halloween and everything. Um, this one's, to me, there's a lot of holes in it. But I guess... Eh, we're having fun with it. Yeah, we'll just I, guess, run. I guess it could work. Anyway, so... It talks about the Grinch from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That obviously he was a little off on the in the head. You'd think, you know. But at the end, he found the love of Christmas. You know, he, he embraced it. Was all about it. Something like that. And so the theory goes that sometime after that, him and his dog eventually died, and they came back as Jack Skellington and Zero from Nightmare Before Christmas. Which is why when he found the Christmas world, he was so infatuated okay. with it. Because it was something that he had lost from his life before. Previous life. There's a lot of holes in it. A lot of craziness, but... Mm, eh, eh. Why not? Okay. It's fun to speculate. Another one of those how everything intertwines, I guess, but... When you start thinking fan theories, you could almost create anything out of anything. This is true. If that even makes sense, what I just said. But if you go, if you go digging hard, so I said it's true. <laughs> you go, this is true. Yes, <laughs> if you go digging hard enough, you could, you could make up shit. Yeah, you can make anything. You can connect two things. This is true. You can find something that's kind of a parallel. Yeah, but they're still fun. Okay, 
Here's a fun one for you. So let's look at the Sith, right? And let's look at the, the different Darthas. Mm-hmm. Darthas? Darths? Dartha. Darthas? Dartha. I was trying to do a Martha joke. It fell flat. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So you have, let's say, Darth Maul. Yep. Simple breakdown of the name. We're just playing the name game here. Maul, like an animal would do. What was his fighting style? What did he look like? He was like a feral animal. So Darth Maul makes sense. Okay. Okay. Let's go uh, Darth Tyrannus. He was a tyrannical leader. Dooku was, right? So Darth Tyrannus, tyrannical leader, all this kind of stuff. We go to Sidious. He was an insidious character. Mm-hmm. Simple wordplay, right? Okay. okay. It's not, we're not reaching out too far. Then you come to Vader. Vader says silly things like, don't choke on your aspirations, you know, and he has all these one-liners that the others didn't have. Okay. Where are you going with this? When you start thinking about all the lines Vader had, do you know what Vader means in German? What? Father. Okay. He was Darth Dad Jokes. (sighs) (laughs) Oh, man. All of his one-liners are just bad dad jokes. Oh, man. (laughs) Isn't that one fun? Darth Dad Jokes. Darth Dad joke. I love it. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, you're right, though. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. Hmm. That would be like a little tongue-in-cheek inside joke. It's like we're just going to have Vader drop these one-line bad dad jokes. Cool. I like it. <laughs> I'm forever going to think of that. He's Every always scolding everybody, pointing at him like a stereotypical dad in a 50s sitcom. Oh. Every time now I'm going to think of that. Great. I like that one. It gives me a warm feeling. (laughs) Okay, Inception as a movie is just whatever you want to think. Sure. I guess. Let's figure it out. Um, No, we're not. Uh, Nobody's ever going to figure it out. But one of the things, uh, and I don't know exactly how this falls into fan theory, but maybe just kind of more of a paying attention and noting things. And I uh, actually got this on crack.com. Ooh. Cracked.com. Oh. I was like, crack.com. <laughs> Cracked.com, where it was talking <laughs> about that Cobb has always got the top they spinning. Right? Right. Well, it is stated that that was his wife's totem. Okay? Mm-hmm. What was his totem? He had to have something before that. His totem wasn't the top. His, that his totem wasn't actually the top. That it was actually his wedding ring. Because he only has it on when they go inside the dreams. Did he have it on in the last scene? I believe so. Hmm. So the whole idea of, was it really a dream? Did the top not actually mean anything? Was he just doing that as of, like, have respect for her or because, you know, whatever. After all these years, it's kind of like you don't give a shit anymore, right? (laughs) People spent so much time trying to figure out if the end scene was in a dream or not. Nobody gives a fuck anymore. It's just just so much. (laughs) Just so much. And, you know, hey, I I do actually really enjoy movies that a lot of time at the end let you just kind of, you know, make up your own ending and kind of figure it out yourself. But when it's something that all these years later, you're still just like, uh, uh, I know you always talk about one of your favorite ones, uh, The Thing, mm-hmm. you know, that has implied certain things, but kind of left open. But like, to me, that's a little bit more cut and dry in a way. That makes sense. Like, it, it's still left open, but. It's either this or it's not. After, yeah. 
after rewatching it that many times, it's like I I see it every time I watch it now, and that might just might be my interpretation. But I yeah. totally think yeah, if Charles was the thing, and it was a Molotov cocktail that mm-hmm. he gave him the drink. So mm-hmm. yeah, so Inception, great movie. I, I watch it all the time, but I still like at the end. I'm just like, oh, okay, it's over. Like I'm not gonna think any more of it. No, I'm done with it. <laughs> I don't want to go back and. But still, that does make sense if that was her totem. What was his before? Was it his ring? Because hmm. he had to have something beforehand. So, anyway. <laughs> okay, this one. I guess we should have said spoiler warning at the beginning of this episode. We'll do it. Uh... We'll do it in post. Yeah, we'll, in post. <laughs> we'll fix it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, this is full of spoilers. <laughs> All right, here's one. Plug the kids' ears up. Uh, don't let them listen to this. But people have wondered over the years, like how Tarzan knew to wear a loincloth. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. He grew up around apes. Mm-hmm. Why would he wear a loincloth? Walk like an ape. I want to walk like you. Talk like you. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this theory goes: since he was raised by gorillas, gorillas have proportionately small genitalia to their body size. Okay. Okay. Follow me here. Uh, okay. Humans don't. Our genitalia is very large compared to the rest of the animal kingdom, comparative to our body size, right? Okay. So this theory states that because he was already being made fun of by the apes, they made fun of him for having a large dong. And so he covered it up to just keep away from even more differentiation between him and the apes. It's fucked up. And I don't know why somebody... This is... Okay. I did not come up with this. This was in my reading and my studies of things and fan theories. And I ran across this one and it was like a flipping through and I looked and go, okay. And then I went back to it and said, wait, you know, that's almost worth bringing up. Well, okay. Um, yeah, never really thought of it. Definitely not thought of it like that. They already thought he was a freak. <laughs> hmm. Well, he just yeah. chose to do it instead of being bullied over having way bigger piece than the rest of the gorillas. Okay. So I said that and let's move on. Let's never bring it up again. Let's never talk about this again. Okay. Um, Where do we go from here? I know exactly where to go from here. Okay. Polly Shore Multiverse. Please tell me more. <laughs> so, in Encino Man, Brendan Fraser's character. Oh, we're about to wheeze. His name, Link, right? Right. Because he's supposed to be the, the mm-hmm. Link. You Brendan know, Fraser, the great Brendan Fraser. At the beginning of Son-in-Law, Brendan Fraser... Makes a cameo. He's credited as Link. It's uncredited, but they still you know put his name as Link. And he might actually even say it in another thing, but anyway. Wait, okay, so uncredited as Link, but he's Link. Yeah. And he takes a frog out of uh remember he's got the Polly Shore's got the oh uh the banana. Yeah, like the Jaquita banana lady mm-hmm. uh head basket thing yes, on. Yes, and so it he has takes all the different a frog out of there and like lights on fire, like toasts it real fast and takes a bite of it and walks off screen. Right. Okay. Then Later on... Isn't the beginning of the son-in-law? That was in son-in-law. I love that film. Then, in In the Army Now, he makes another appearance as a soldier, and it has Link written across his chest, and he leans across to him and says... Yeah, he leans across to him and goes, don't eat the chicken, it tastes like frog. (laughs) And walks off, and that's it. So, So the Polly Shore Shore multiverse, that Link is the center of the universe, and that's why Polly Shore, every time he sees him, he's kind of like... I know that guy. I kind of know that guy from somewhere, but what... So, yeah, Polly Shore Multiverse. He wasn't in Biodome, was he? 
But at least there's three films. That's yeah, that's that's, some, that's a that's, that's a verse. Yeah. Quotation fingers. Yeah. That's a verse. So, yep. Polly Shore multiverse with Link, Brendan Fraser's Link being the center of the universe. <laughs> I'm sure it was just because they would make it be so. funny, but yes, it's going it on the great. board. Yeah, We're saying this is okay. a this is a yes. <laughs> there's so many things nowadays that like that that's so easy to be like, oh yeah. When I you believe said that. it, I almost didn't need you to follow it up with anything. I just want to go, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all there is to it. Yeah, just I'm going to put that one in my pocket and carry it around with me. <laughs> what about the one that Biff's life was made better by Marty because of the events, too? Okay. Because obviously when he goes back to 1985, his parents' life has improved. His dad's writing the novels. The mom and dad are happy. They're living in a bigger, nicer house. All that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, but Biff's a bigger, nicer house. cars. Uh, if you look at his truck, it says Biff's auto detailing. But she owns his own business. Okay. That's not a bad gig. No, especially in 85. Yeah. Must be doing okay I mean, people, people make a lot of money doing auto detailing. That's true. So yeah, Biff that actually owns his law. own business, which no t- which at the beginning of the movie, remember, because he's Marty's dad's boss. Mm-hmm. But he was probably doing a job he hated, was not qualified for, nobody liked him. He seems pretty happy. Yeah. And I mean, they even joke about like, oh, that Biff, he's such a kidder or whatever. <laughs> like, oh, but you know. Biff, he's such a jokester. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, they, yeah, his truck in the background says Biff's uh, uh, auto detailing. So yeah. he he owns his own business. So good on Biff. So and that all Biff. came from when he crashes the car into the manure truck. And he talks about Biff the guy. didn't have any money. He well, remember he talks about the joke. guy uh, uh, ripping him off for four hundred bucks or whatever it was to fix his car, and he was like, mm-hmm. he says because he says something about like uh, being dirt or whatever. He goes, mm, manure. Yeah. So Biff would have had no money to clean, to get it detailed, so he had to learn to do it himself. Probably figured out he had an affinity for it and said, I like doing this. Hmm. Uh, I, I like detailing cars. So, yeah. so don't feel bad for Biff at the end of the movie. Biff ended up okay. Yeah. Everybody seems to like him. Yeah, I see. Yeah, everybody seems to be. He's like a goofy old man. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of one of the lighter-hearted fan theories. Which works out good for a, a bad guy. Yeah. He yeah. just found but I guess his still niche. Out okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's everybody's, okay. Everybody's happy. Yay. Got his nice tracksuit. <laughs> <laughs> the McFlies harbor no ill will for him trying to be handsy in a car. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. There you go, Biff. All right. Way to go. Had to learn a little bit of humility. Hmm. I have to bring this one up because I got uh, some, of my, some of my friends that were pretty hardcore gamers. And, uh, We've always kind of joked around with the original Pokemon video game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Came out in 95, I believe. 95. So right in the wheelhouse of childhood. Uh, yep. And it was a huge, huge success. It actually started in, uh, in Japan. Was Pokemon's a big thing? Was ported here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Came, became a big thing. Anyway. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways, not familiar with it. Really quick rundown. A kid at the age of 10 gets this little creature and him and the creature run around and try to capture other creatures to fight. Uh, you can say that there's some animal cruelty going on, but supposedly they want to, the creatures themselves want to do it. So if you have zero familiarity with Pokemon. Why are you listening to this podcast? This is very true, but just, just, no, just we're not out there. So anyway, we, but the whole, we're dorky. The whole thing is when you are playing the game, every time you're going around and you fight someone, you typically fight either a, another kid mm-hmm. or an older person. At the oldest, like a teenager. Yeah. Teens, right. Uh, there are very few adult males and the ones that are are either in really really high status of some kind of business or 
uh, part of a giant crime syndicate, Team Rocket. There are no male police officers and no male doctors. They're all females. Nurse uh, Joy. Nurse Joy. And Officer Ginny. Yeah. That are in every town, right? There's every town, there's an officer. Like yeah. clones. Like clones, yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. But uh, even when you go fight like in the gyms and you go fight the Elite Four and all that stuff, most of the men you find are older and not of what would you consider the fighting age. So the whole theory behind this is that years before the start of the first game, there was a great Pokemon war between the, the region of Kanto and the region of Johto. Kanto is where everything takes place in the original games, okay? I There was this huge war between them, and no telling how many Pokemon and men, military men, or fighting in whatever army they were considered, uh, all died. Which is why your character that you play as doesn't have a dad. You never see... There's never a dad on the show or anything never, either, was Yeah, there? no, Ash Ketchum never had a dad. Well, it, it's referenced, but you never really know for sure. But most of the other trainers and stuff like that, they don't ever talk about their dads. Now, in a post-war situation, typically crime is going to skyrocket. Because whatever military force or whatever's dwindled because of the war, whatever it's happened, it, this is not a guess or saying something about the game. This is just in the real world. Typically crime goes up after a war which would explain team rocket coming on the scene and nobody doing anything to stop them because they're the big baddies of it and they're this crime syndicate things going around this organization that's you know they took over in the dystopian aftermath mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly another thing is in this region it is very easy to get from one town to another like they're fairly close but they're always closed off to each other but there are tons of underground tunnels <laughs> that lead everywhere. Why would you need underground tunnels in a fairly modern world unless they were what was left over from wartime? Mm. And when you go into these tunnels, you can constantly walk around and find leftover items that are just laying around that should have no business just laying in this underground tunnel unless people drop them while they were tunneling, tunneling in, in wartime. Then the biggest, <laughs> the biggest. Key and exhibit B. The the biggest <laughs> key to this whole thing is when you're running around and they have to fight, you know, their eight gym uh, leaders and get the badges so they can go on to the championship thing or whatever. You actually fight one character and his name is Lieutenant Surge. And he actually says in his beginning little monologue, my Pokemon saved me during the war. And this guy is like, he's maybe 40, maybe not even that old. So whatever war he was in happened in the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. So not something too far back. And he literally says, they saved me during the war. So the whole so idea was a Pokemon war. is that there was a giant Pokemon war. Wiped out a lot, wiped of, out a lot of Pokemon, a lot of the humans, adult, humans, adult males, stuff like that, whatever. And that's also why in later versions of the game, you go to a new region and you find all new Pokemon because... Because of the war, all the Pokemon were, like, more separated into their own little areas. Whoa. So it's it's crazy. It's a definite big... That's a deep one, man. A deep one, especially off of a video game from That one went for a hot minute there. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, kind of a crazy one. But when we talked about this, uh talked to a couple of my buddies. and like, dude, you should totally bring that one up. Like, man, okay. Fan theory. Hmm. You know, people on Pokemon, Ash didn't have a dad. Andy in Toy Story didn't have a dad dad you ever saw i don't know if they ever reference him you never see the dad mm -hmm. big hero six no dad 
Well, he didn't have a mom either. It was the aunt that was raising was him. was the aunt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that blows my shit out of the way. I was, I was starting to go down my list in my head of all these Disney absent fathers, and I'm like, I wonder... Disney movies do away with the mom. Everybody else deals away with dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it made me wonder. Well, I was... Quick rundown of my head, which I guess you kind of blew that out of the water. I wonder if you took a statistic poll of not just game designers, but animators and story writers and stuff. How many of them came from single parent households, do you think? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Definitely a big part of... I don't know if that has anything to do with the story writing or just... I mean, look how long Disney's been around. That's always kind of a inlet to the story. Mm. Is... Either loss of something mother or tragic something. happened to a, to a parent. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just one of the most. I maybe it's because one of the one of the hardest hitting tragedies when you're younger. Yeah, I mean at any time really, but it, maybe it's one of the most identifiable with identifiable with a child. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's an easy jumping off point to get some relatability. Mm, maybe something worth thinking about. Yeah, well, we were just giving that explanation. I started going over in my head. I was listening, but I was like going, <laughs> wow, a lot of these stories and characters, and whether it's in game format or in, in animation or movies in general, shit, E.T., the dad was gone, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like all these jumping off points from, from children's stories of them going on adventures and them, I guess, growing up, there's usually a parent tragedy there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I mean, you talked about one early before we got started about it, that you had one about the Harry Potter, speaking of yeah. parents. How the, the Dursleys didn't start off horrible. Mm-hmm. And even at the end, they weren't good people. Yeah, they Let's say that. Treat, he, he lived in an, right, an but... abusive situation. But they still, I mean, he was <sighs> shitty to say, he still was fed, clothed, sheltered. I got to sit at the dinner table. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like they didn't he got a room eventually. They didn't beat the <laughs> shit out of him and yeah. throw him in the cellar every night. Yeah. But that they started off good and eventually became that sour and negative because they were living with a Horcrux for like 11 years. Mm-hmm. And as we know what Horcruxes do to people, because Harry was a Horcrux, you know, he was a Horcrux. It manipulates and twists you and turns you and, and the longer sours you and turns you dark the longer you're around it. Yeah. That happened to, to the, our big three, and when, just like what the Deathly Hallows, when they were carrying around the one with them for not long so at all. Two were two, there for not long at all. Which you know, I, I've kind of heard that a little bit, and then they say they're like, "Well, what about you know Ron and Hermione and all them?" Like, well, they were only around him for short bursts, for short bursts during a school year, but still, like they had separate classes, they had times away from each other, they had you know different things going on. So they would, yeah, they they were best friends, and they yeah. were around each other a lot, but never enough. For it to really start setting in like it was living with the Dursleys for so long. From sun up to sundown every day for All years. All day, every day. And, you know, it kind of makes me think of, so the whole big deal about it is that love is the most powerful magic. Yeah, and she, it was Lily's sister, right? Was yeah, the mom? Petunia. Petunia. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. And so. I'm trying to remember back to all of it. Of course, the movies and the books, you know, they vary a little bit. So I'm going to kind of hit it kind of they're going in the to. middle here. But. When they bring Harry to the Dursleys, and they're like, hey, not only are you, you like his only family, really, but y'all are muggles, so they won't come looking for him here. Right. Otherwise, if we try to put him in an orphanage, or if we try to keep him in the wizarding world, or whatever, they're yeah. going to find him, they're going to kill him, whatever. Yeah. And Petunia... The wizarding world was tearing itself apart yeah. looking for him. And so, Petunia, his aunt, 
actually did still love him because she loved her sister, even though she had some resentment and everything. She was more afraid magic of her, right? Yeah, because of all the magic and everything. She still did love her sister and did care. And in the book, there's actually a little bit more where she does treat Harry a little nicer at times and, and, and shows him a little bit of love here and there. Uh, in the movie, it's really just at towards the end, whenever she kind of talks to him, it's like, you know, we took you in, you know, I love my sister and whatever. And it's like, so that kind of goes back to the whole thing that love is the greatest magic because even though they were living with the Horcrux for 11 years, she still convinced her husband to keep Harry and allow him to live there and take care of him and everything, even though it was slowly driving them insane. Yeah. Because Ron was ready to kill him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were... And that was just at a short, little time. Yeah. Of course, like I said, keep in mind, at that point, they had two Horcruxes. So. Yeah. <laughs> Double whammy, but still. I would say yeah. this one's legit. It's getting I, the stamp of... Yeah. I believe I, it. I believe it, too. Uh, yeah, and especially, like I said, uh, I, I didn't read all the books. I only got about halfway through them. But from what I understand, from what, you know, Liz has told me, is that there is more referencing that she makes about taking care of him. And so it's kind of like, yeah, even though... Like I said, it's driving them mad, and they're going through all stuff. It's still, you know, that love is still conquering all. Love is the greatest match. So, yeah, I, I think that one definitely needs to be a legit boom. There it is. And maybe some other, some Potterheads probably would be like, yeah, dumbasses. <laughs> it totally is. You, but, know, you know, we're more generalists. We gotta <laughs> just ride on the outside of the bubble of everything. Yeah, exactly. Jack of all trades, masters of none. You yep. know a little bit yep. about most things. Just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> arguable but okay i like (laughs) the next one to me doesn't really seem like a fan theory but and of course i don't want to get torn apart by uh, star wars fans but that you know anakin was never the chosen one it was really luke i guess you could say luke and leia Mm -hmm. the prophecy told of a child being born that would bring an end to the sith now you know that they would be born in a time of great uh it was like a great turmoil or a great despair, which wasn't really when Anakin was born, but more of when Luke was born, when all the Jedi were wiped out. Yeah, because, but know, I mean, you could go either way with it. And like you said earlier, before we had started, when we were kind of bouncing back and forth, you're like, yeah, but Vader did get redeemed and kill the Emperor. Yeah, well, it was. He did throw him over the thing. And I'm going to say this, I mean, I don't want to go too far into it. The new trilogy, I'm not counting mm, yeah return of zombie palpatine f all that noise it was handled terribly in my opinion it was lazy lazy writing to just rehash the same villain and bring him back when the story was done let's move on yeah. and give a new adventure yeah i agree with you so let's just take it back when, to empire and say like, okay it could have gone either way i think when when we talk uh, on this podcast about star wars we're only talking about uh, six episodes <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, that one, like I said, it can arguably go either way, I guess. Like I said, I was just looked at it as Anakin still did fulfill the prophecy by actually killing Emperor. So that's yeah. why I've always kind of thought to myself, like, yeah. But then again, Luke was the one that got him to do it. So, yeah, argument either way. It's a prophecy. It, it, it's not, it, if it was just written down like, hey, this is exactly what's going to happen, then it'd be a different story. Yeah, it's a prophecy. All, it was all just, prophecy is subjective. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that one's out there. We're going to address it. I don't know how much stock you should put into it. Hmm. I think it kind of goes back to the Inception thing. You know what? Just believe it how you feel. Just, yeah, go with whatever you want. Mm-hmm. There's a, while we're talking Star Wars, there's a great video 
with Chris Gore that's called How to Was it How to Kill an Iconic Character. I would recommend going and watching it if you're any kind of cinephile of anything to do with the love of characters because he addresses some things in there that make a like really strong points. Mm-hmm. And he says one of the best 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 one of the best one of the best <laughs> death send-offs of an iconic character is Spock in Wrath of Khan. Yeah. And that's because himself, save everybody. Yeah, he gets the sacrifice moment. Mm-hmm. He gets to say goodbye to Jim. They get to kind of have their admiration for each other. Love you like a brother. You know, there's a respect. We didn't like each other in the beginning. But, you know, he, he got a send-off that held weight. It meant something. The audience got to say goodbye in that moment yeah. to their character. Yeah. It meant something. The worst handled death on the flip side of an iconic character was Han Solo yeah. being just marked by Ben, mm-hmm. and then thrown down a cavern, which is reserved for villains in movies. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen to your hero. Mm-hmm. And it was just the disrespect that was done. And then for, really, has, for no reason. I mean, really, other than just shock value. Th- yeah, that's all it was. Yeah. It was just done to like, oh, send him up. But we all have known Harrison said for years that he didn't want to do Han anymore and stuff. So we'll just, it, it, it could have been handled in so many better ways. Mm. And I'm kind of just getting on a soapbox now because this has nothing to do with fan <laughs> theories. But I had to address it. And I had watched that video, How to Kill an Iconic Character. Anybody who, who watches this, maybe you don't understand why you felt that way when you watched it and go, well, this was trash. He breaks it down in a way that really makes you look at the way that storytelling is done in film. Especially with that. And there's a bunch of great videos with him. Mm. He's very intelligent in the way he breaks things down. I really have enjoyed watching different videos. Uh, yeah, I had to address that. The, the, the Han Solo send-off. Just like the Luke send-off. He meditated himself to death. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? One of the most Where iconic characters. Obi-Wan uh. sacrifice of, you know, like, uh, strike me down. I'll become more powerful. He just meditated himself to death, and the, the whole buying time for everyone to get away, horse shit. Mm-hmm. G- get get out of here with that. Mm. No. I agree. Anyway, I will end this now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. 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 And so, if anybody wondered why, I, I'm, I'm sure we're not stating anything that uh, most people don't think, why the last trilogy just... If we talk about Star Wars on here, and we do kind of fan out and geek out, so it's Star Wars is going to come up. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of lost love for the, the newest trilogy. trilogy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When we talk about it, mostly we're going to be referring to the OG six. Yeah, which is kind of sad to think that nowadays we're like, oh yeah, the, the prequels were great. <laughs> you know, the more when they came out, everybody, everybody dogged them. Kind of so dogged them, and over the years, while the special effects have not aged well, hmm. I that should be a play. Okay, I get you. You know what I mean? You could almost just transcribe that over to a Shakespearean style play with real swords, not laser swords, and do it, and it would be this tragedy. True. It would be this great tragedy. And so the storytelling is there. Yeah. Yeah. And it made sense. It had a cohesive story. It was going somewhere. Mm -hmm. The other ones Mm -hmm. are just fucking bonkers and all over the place and make no sense. And it's like, I can't show this to the kid. Like, this. why is... I thought he was... just. You almost don't want to show him. Yeah, I don't foresee myself watching those three. No, I did. I did it. I watched them and went, okay. Even though the first one was just a rehash of A New Hope. Pretty much. 
and we all bit because we're like, okay, you know, it's been so long. Mm-hmm. They're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna tease us in with something we know and say, oh, you like steak? Come down and have some more steak. But then we're gonna hit you with the second course because you never had lobster. Mm-hmm. And then they just kept shoving steak down our throats, <laughs> and we're like, fucking seen it, seen it. Well, that made no sense. Oh, the same bad guy from thirty five years ago was back. What? <laughs> Thought we were done with him. The prophecy. What about the prophecy? Ah, fuck it. I'm done. <laughs> tangent <laughs> sorry folks oh. so, sorry not sorry you know sorry, i said sorry. my piece i feel better now for getting that <laughs> off my chest hey what is speaking without ever every now and then having a little rant right you yeah. know yeah yeah hmm. you disagree start your own podcast um i don't know where to go from here after that uh i know where to go after that into the thing all right, let's do it. Ready to do it? All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Search Engine Results. All right, bro, I have an uh, internet question okay. for you to guess our multiple choice. Let's do it. Okay. Everyone at home, please play along. <laughs> this one was kind of a, a little weird one. I had to do some special twisting of, of words to phrase this right to get it to you. Okay. But something like this. Of the following three answers, which one of these forms of media is meant to be interpreted as you watching a stage play? Okay. So I'm going to give you three choices. One of these, as confirmed by the creator, is meant to be interpreted as you watching a stage play of what's going on. Okay. A. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. B. Super Mario Brothers 3 the game or C the entire series of always sunny in Philadelphia interpreted as watching a stage play. Yes. Hmm. I have a couple of thoughts on how all three of them could be there. So it's as confirmed by the creator that what you're really experiencing is a stage play. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Super Mario Brothers 3, or the series of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'm going to go on a limb here, because I'm going technicality, but I'm going to go with Super Mario Brothers 3, the game, because when it starts off, the curtains open. Can get nothing past you, can we, brother? (laughs) You're totally right. Yes. I can see how easily the other two could, yeah perceived as that but that's the one thing that started that kind of sticks in my head is the very opening of the game you see the curtains slide open and it's also because i played yep. that game not too long ago the, uh, the, <laughs> the curtains open all the scenery is bolted in the background mm-hmm. everything is very flat and looks like stage props yep. like it's made out of cardboard um when you end a level you run off stage oh yeah no yep. the series creator shigeru miyamato Revealed to, uh, that the fan theory was true in September of 2015 at a Q&A with the uh, UK Nintendo Twitter by saying that the entire experience is just a performance hmm. of Super Mario. There you go. <laughs> well, it also makes sense because the Super Mario Brothers 2 was actually supposed to be just a dream. You're right. Yeah. So kind of plays in. Yeah. Paper, one Paper Mario, I think, was actually supposed to be perceived as a stage play. Too. I think you're right. Yeah. Super Mario Brothers 3 is actually just a stage play of the character's in the game. Yeah. All right, then. So there go you go. Me. Woo. Woo. You did, did it. it. <laughs> <laughs> we are brothers. 
it's not the most intellectually stimulating <laughs> search engine result we've done. Hey, I don't know. But, but it's still fun. I, I it's could, fun. Like I said, I, I could have definitely seen how the other two could be twisted that way, too, easily. Yeah. yeah. They're not, by the way. They're actually totally what they're supposed to be. Yeah, a movie and a sitcom. A movie and yeah. a sitcom. But hmm. Super Mario 3 is. So I had one that I kind of like because it takes two of my favorite comic book characters and throw them together, which they've done. Of course, every comic book is done a crossover with another comic book, whatever. Mm -hmm. But Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird actually confirmed this on their end of it, the Ninja Turtles version of it. Marvel has never come back and agreed with it. But it's that in one of the origin stories of the Ninja Turtles, you know that the van carrying mutagen crashed tgri right and one of the canisters hit broke and it ran off into the sewer and that's what we got the turtles and that's where we got the turtles and splinter from so the theory was that the wreck was actually caused by matt murdoch daredevil (laughs) yes and so the mutagen that hit him in the eyes and gave him his abilities but took his sight was the same mutagen that leaked down into the sewer and that splinter was actually watching it happen and ran down into the sewer with the turtles. And that's why he, you know, turned into the rat. And while the turtles became, they became all because it was the same mutagen. And Eastman and Laird said yes to this. Yeah. They were like, yeah, we totally believe that. I'm like, yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, dude, everything I've read on them, they're, oh, yeah. they're totally up for anything. Like, they're like, yeah, yeah that's cool. way cooler than. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. It, it, I mean, that meshes up pretty good. I like it. So that was one I was like, that. Ah, yeah, I'm cool with that. You never go wrong with turtle fan theories. Mm, no, because there's so many of them. <laughs> Ooh, what do you think about the DeLorean being sentient being? Like, that it can think for itself. The DeLorean, yeah. The DeLorean. That the flux capacitor made the DeLorean from Back to the Future sentient. Explain. That's why it always seems to break down and start up in the right situations to continue the story. Think about when he gets uh. to 1955 and it... It breaks down right next to a place where it can be hidden easily and accessible easily. Um, at the end of the movie, when he's... I mean, how many times does he do the whole, like, come on, start, come on, start? And it starts at just the right out. moment for him to achieve the task. Yeah, because if it complete. would have started when, when he was trying to crank it the first time. He would have hit the wire way before, way before the lightning hit. hit. Yeah. Yep. Huh. So it's, it's like it knew. Hmm. Another fun one on Back to the Future is that Doc in a very Rick and Morty ha 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 style of events has probably had to go back and save Marty a couple of times. Oh, such as when he's about to get <laughs> run over by Biff in part two and he has to grab, you know, he catches him with the, the flags, mm-hmm. you know, right before he gets run over. Yeah. How did he know to be in that exact, mo- exact place at that moment? When he jumps off the top of Biff tower. Yep. When he jumps off the top of uh, Bip's Pleasure Palace. <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, doesn't even jump. He just kind of steps he down. He just steps off. Yeah. How'd Doc know exactly to be there at the right time? So he's probably watched Marty die in a loop <laughs> and had to time it right <laughs> a bunch of times. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. Which, like I said, gives it a very Rick and Morty feel. Yeah. How many times oh, does Doc like, fail? Shit, you know, like, got ah, and back 30 and seconds. Back. Okay. And back 30 okay. seconds. Hmm. Except for the only problem with that is when it... Caused there just to be more, well, I guess not, because if, if Doc knew, oh, shit, he died right here, then that means I need to be there, avoid myself from 30 seconds ago, <laughs> when I was here last, when, before it happened, and I can avoid myself because I'm not there in the first place. Yeah, I was in, I was across town. 
Yeah. So he's not going to. It's like you know, later in later on that day, he's like, "Where's Marty at?" And like, "Oh, did you hear about the guy that jumped off Biff Tower?" And like, "Oh shit!" Well, he was working <laughs> on it. Yeah, like, crap. Okay, so Go back. kind of a fun one. Hmm. Kind of a dark one, but kind of a fun one. Like, yeah. Oh, sure. That's probably that's, that's how time travel works. I. <laughs> it's well, definitely one way to use it. Hmm. Hmm. Or how Bobby Hill is really Bill Dotrieve's son and not Hanks on King of the Hill. Yeah, and that kind of makes sense. I don't really sense. have to talk you into that one, do I? <laughs> no. They talk alike. They're kind of on the same level. They the way they that they look alike. Their mannerisms are alike. They hang out with each other all the time. Like They enjoy being around each other. Why does Peggy have such disdain for Bill Dotrieve? Mm. Think about it. And Bill has this unhealthy obsession with Peggy all the time. Hmm. There's actually an episode where they're all stranded on on a cruise ship or on an island, mm-hmm. and they all think they're going to die. So they all start revealing deep, dark secrets, mm-hmm. and Bill actually says to Hank, on a dark night when I was very lonely, I made a bad decision and I slept with Peggy, and all Hank says is, no, you didn't, Bill, and then it's never brought up again. Oh, wow. Oh. So he admitted to it in an episode. Huh. Then in another episode, he brings Bobby under his wing and hands him down this Dotree family recipe. Mmm. So it just starts... Like, there's too much ah. evidence there to say, Bill... It all adds up. Yeah. It all adds up. Yeah. But what about him admitting to Hank when they're going to die mm. that he slept with Peggy and Hank just blows it off? And Hank had the narrow urethra and a low sperm count, remember? Yeah. As confirmed by the doctor. Yeah. So, hmm... Bobby has way more similarities to Bill. Yep. Maybe Peggy just went in and slept with Bill just to be like, you know, give Hank a sudden yeah. type of thing. Hmm. There's just too Dark. much there. Yeah, There's too but, much yeah, there for her to yeah. go, yeah, that's totally right. Yep. It's not the first characters on the show either to do that. That's true. Yeah. That one's totally believable. Okay. I'm going to end on a somber note. Oh, well, well okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> These are fun. <laughs> this is the funnest episode. Well, we're just, doing number two. I can't, there's no, like I said, there's very rarely happy fan theories. That might speak to just people's way of thinking about the world, where they're going to just make things a little more twisted and dark. Hmm. Maybe just thinking outside the box. Yeah. Think about what's more. It, it usually revolves yeah. around something being, it's all a dream, or it was this, or it's it's sleight of hand here and there. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, this one. We're going to talk about one of the most depressing movies ever to come out. It's the adaptation of Stephen King's The Miss with Thomas Jane. Okay. Do you remember the ending of that? Uh, yeah, Four Bullets, Five People, or something yeah. like that. Yes. He's in the car. Yeah. The monsters are closing in with The Mist. He has a revolver. Five people in the car. He's only got four bullets, so he does a mercy killing on everybody in the car and just decides he's going to just walk out and let the monsters take him so nobody else, especially his son, Billy, yeah. doesn't have to experience being eaten by a monster. Yeah. Right. Very depressing ending. And then, spoiler alert, once he's done, he gets out of the car to walk into the mist, and it lifts and enrolls the military. Yeah. Save the day. Yeah. That whole, so if, if he would just waited two minutes. Two minutes, everyone would have been saved. Hmm. That's depressing. Yes. But what if the death of Billy always had to happen for the mist to lift and them to be saved? Okay. I'm not as familiar with the movie. It's I've only seen like once or twice. And it's been there a long time. was like this evil Z-Lot lady, religious fanatic named Miss Carmody that was in the grocery store. Remember when she starts, yeah. they, they kill the soldier 
and um, she's ranting and raving and saying that it's all punishment from God and that they need, she comes up with the idea, they need to do a human sacrifice. The mist yeah. demands a sacrifice for us to be saved. Yeah, I do remember that. And then she kind of goes after Billy as the one that needs to be sacrificed, the kid. That's mm. why Tom freaks out. The character David freaks out, runs with the son. Uh, you know, it leads us to the end of the movie. Yeah. So how odd is it then that right after Billy's death, the mist lifts? Because mm. so she already staved off some monsters by praying in the store at one point when she was being attacked and they didn't attack her. Hmm. Hmm. So, so he, while this is not one you want to believe, there's a little bit to it. That Billy had to go. Billy had to go. Billy was the sacrifice that was needed to lift the evil oh. of the mist. Well, and it just happened at the hands of his father sacrificing him rather than a group of people with knives in a grocery store. Hmm. So, messed up, but that one holds but, some weight, too. Yeah that, yeah, that does hold some weight. Definitely has some bearings to it, yeah. Wow. Hmm. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen. So we've talked child sacrifice and gorilla genitals. Um, <laughs> there was a little bit more in there. There was some more. <laughs> a lot of Back to the Future. There always is in time travel movies. You mean in fan theory? Fan theory, time travel movies. <laughs> no, there's always there's always a lot of fan theory revolving around time travel movies. There you go. There you go. Okay. okay. I see. I see. Yeah. But yeah, this one, I'm sorry to end it there, but <laughs> that's... Aye. That is our episode of more fan theories yes. for volume two. Yep. Hope everybody's enjoyed it. Yeah. We've had a good time with y'all tonight. I've had a good time with you, bro. Yep. As always. always. Till next time, I'm Kenny. I'm Keith. Hit us back for more random men. <laughs>